0: If you decide that you want to teach a dysgraphic student to write, our approach is going to be the best one because we're going to take the complex task of writing and break it into the smallest possible steps.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois Today, Andrew, we pick up our series on special needs with the topic of dysgraphia. Now, I think this one is relatively new. At least I didn't ever know about this when I was teaching in a classroom or teaching my own kids. It seems like it's kind of new on the scene. What is dysgraphia?
0: Well, I believe the term was first used in the 1930s. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So it does predate us. Yes, it does. (laughs) However, it certainly has gotten more widespread use mm-hmm. in the last couple decades some people will think that dysgraphia is just really serious serious dyslexia like okay. it's a amplification of that but i think the definition is different dyslexia mm-hmm. not reading right right because lex legis is the latin root for reading reading right. and words mm-hmm. graphia would be writing Okay. So dysgraphia would be not writing. So when you have children who have such a tremendously difficult time copying letters or remembering and being able to write letters and then put letters into words, when just that process itself is just overwhelming, it's probably a more serious type of difficulty. Mm -hmm. It's, again, something that often... You grow out of a little more because as you get older, your willpower builds and you get tougher and you can kind of make yourself do things Mm -hmm. that you couldn't when you were younger, like eat tomatoes.
1: (laughs) Still can't do it.
0: But you can kind of exercise willpower over your eyes and your brain and your hands and make yourself do things, even though it's maybe still difficult later in life. Mm -hmm. Certainly, as with dyslexia, the dysgraphic students are on a spectrum. Okay. On one end, you would have completely unable to do it Mm -hmm. for one reason or another. I think a cerebral lesion was listed in the dictionary as a cause of dysgraphia. Hmm. So brain injury, essentially. And on the other end, you've got kids, it's just hard for them. It's harder for them than for other kids for whom it is not so hard. And most are going to be somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. One of the opportunities we have today is to accommodate symptoms with technology that didn't exist in previous times. So that's a decision that parents have to kind of make, too. To Mm -hmm. what degree do we want to allow technology to replace the skill that is difficult to develop? And one of those, of course, would be the ability to now talk to your computers mm-hmm. and have the computer translate what you say into words. Right. I, I have a, a son who is very dyslexic. I don't know that we ever called him dysgraphic, mm-hmm. but certainly both reading and writing were difficult. I remember one. it was actually when we were moving out here to Oklahoma, we were staying in the guest house Mm -hmm. there and I woke up one morning and was reading and he woke up and he came out and he goes dad I just had the most awesome dream Hmm. I said what what is it son he said I dreamed there was a little robot and you could tell him what you wanted to write down and he would write it down for you and I said well actually there's some software that you can install on your computer that will translate your words into typed words. And, yes,
1: and it's gotten so much better. Over and he years. was so
0: excited. He said, really? Really? How much does it cost? Could I buy it? I have $522 in my savings account. <laughs> he, he was so excited because, you know, he really struggled with that. And, mm-hmm. and at that age, it was virtually impossible for him to write things down. But he always had Great ideas. He mm-hmm. always wanted to write things down. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because we ended up getting that. I think it was called Dragon Dictate software or Mac Speech or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And it was actually a very good exercise because in order for him to use the software, he had to train the computer to his voice. Nice. And so what he had to do was read something into the computer correctly and it took him all day. He spent pretty much an entire day trying to read one paragraph into the computer correctly. Mm -hmm. I think by the end of the day he pretty much had it memorized and that's how he got it in but that was how it trained the computer to recognize his voice and then he was able to use this. Today of course we have far superior technology And I do know some kids who actually just dictate their papers to their phone Mm -hmm. and then just email the text Mm -hmm. to themselves and have pretty much written the whole thing. And we think, oh, you know, that's being lazy or that's not the best way to do it. Uh, Maybe, uh, who knows? For some kids, it may be the only way to do it. For other kids, you know, they are still going to need to edit. I find that when I talk to machines... I'm not as careful as I am when I'm writing on paper or typing. Mm -hmm. And so I have a lot more editing work to do. And so it's not time efficient for me. Mm -hmm. But I can see how that might be for some. It makes you think, though, about people like G.A. Henty. Mm -hmm. Do you you know Henty? Mm -hmm. He wrote all those historical fiction. Well, he was a correspondent. So he was a a news person. And he traveled the world. And he would travel with three secretaries. Wow. And he would dictate a couple sentences of one book to one secretary, a couple sentences of another book to another secretary, and then some news report or feature article for his work to another secretary. And then by the time he'd done that, the first was ready for the next couple sentences. And he would just dictate these whole books simultaneously Because that was, of course, way more efficient than him writing them down. And word has it, legend has it, I suppose, very little editing was required. These books just came out fully, perfectly formed. And, of course, if you know Henty's books, you're thinking, you know, the language, complexity, length of sentences, and the vocabulary is just off the charts. Most people can't read Henty today.
1: If, you could see, if our listeners could see me, my mouth is open. I cannot comprehend this level of thought that's required to be able to dictate three separate streams of thought. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah.
0: Now, I would guess that Henty had the ability to write on paper, and he didn't do that because of dysgraphia. Right. But <laughs> it does show that if you're careful about spoken language, mm-hmm. it can be every bit as high quality as the written. Mm -hmm. You just have to consciously do that. Mm -hmm. Parents today have the opportunity to use technology to accommodate for some of the challenges of the dyslexic, dysgraphic students. The Association for the Blind and Dyslexic, if you join that, you get access to a huge, huge number of audiobooks. Mm -hmm. And so you can get college texts available on audio for people who are so dyslexic they really, or blind, mm-hmm. and they can't read it. It's not available in Braille, but they can listen. What's interesting, too, is that you often find that students who have a dyslexic or dysgraphic issues develop tremendously good auditory memories, mm-hmm. much like a blind person will hear things that seeing people don't necessarily hear, they will be able to recall auditorily beyond the norm. My, my son was like that. In fact, he'd be in class and I'd kind of get irritated because he'd be doodling or something. not Of course, everybody else's children are looking straight at me, smiling perfectly attentive, and, you know, he's fooling around. And I'd say, you with us That's there? your perception anyway. And, and, and he'd say, do you want me to tell you everything you just said for the last five minutes? <laughs> right. No, no, I don't. And I knew he could too. So right. So oftentimes that's a, a hidden blessing. But if you decide that you want to maybe in addition to using some technology – that you want to teach a dysgraphic student to write, Mm -hmm. then again, our approach is going to be the best one because we're going to take the overwhelmingly complex task of writing and break it into the smallest possible steps.
1: Right. Now, we sell a teacher training course, teaching writing structure and style, and this is not labeled teaching writing structure and style for students with dysgraphia. It's the same course that we teach to every teacher, to every parent, to help them teach their students regardless of their ages or abilities.
0: Well, and that's because we, we work with the basic principles mm-hmm. and a system that teachers and parents learn. Once they learn the system, then they can adjust it for young children, for older children, for college students, for children who have high talent and, and love writing. They can adjust it for children who struggle. With reading and writing. That's what I think differentiates us Mm -hmm. is, is that our primary work at IEW is to teach parents and teachers the system. And everything else we sell is supplemental, peripheral to that.
1: And they're to help the teacher then implement these methods in a way that's appropriate to their children. I'm putting myself in the chair of the listener or the driver's seat of the listener, wherever you might be, and you might be thinking, wait, I thought I just heard this. But the truth is, when we talk about special needs and we talk about special ed teachers, what we offer is very similar to what we teach for everyone. And it's not rebranded for any particular special need. It's for everyone. So speaking specifically to dysgraphic students, what type of special adaptations can they make to the syllabus?
0: Well, teachers and parents who learn the system Mm -hmm will choose source texts and one of the most important things and I say it again and again and I will always keep saying Mm -hmm. it is you want these source texts to be at or preferably below the reading level of the student. Now with the dyslexic dysgraphic student those may have to be quite simple Mm -hmm. and you also want to be sure and use a large font. Sometimes Just the smallness of the font is what makes the reading and seeing of it so difficult. And just doubling or tripling that font size can make all the difference in the world. Great. This is another case where we have such a boon of technology Mm -hmm. in that we can find a short little source text that maybe is a few sentences long and doesn't have any too long or complex words, and we can change the font size and print it out and have an appropriate source text for the students we're working with. That's a huge benefit right. in the past, before computers and fonts and, and printers, we would have to either just use a typewriter or handwrite mm-hmm. everything. And of course we could still hand write right. everything. But it's very nice to be able to cut here's a source text, here's an Aesop fable, here's something interesting that the child could probably read and then print it out in an appropriate way for mm-hmm. their visual abilities. Great. So that's one aspect of how you would customize choosing the source text both by the reading level and by the font size and the, the layout on the paper so it's easy to see. Another thing is that you would introduce the new idea very gradually. So we have our list of stylistic techniques, Mm -hmm. specific word choice, word usages, specific grammatical constructions, and we model these and then have the children imitate and use them in their writing. This can go as (laughs) fast or slow as your student. So I always say you only introduce a new complexity when what you've learned so far has become relatively easy.
1: And easy means...
0: Well, the, the student can do it without much help, and it doesn't read too goofy most of the time. But that idea of mastery, mm-hmm. and this again differentiates us, because we're not producing a book that is going to go on at its own happy little merry pace, mm-hmm. oblivious to the child. Mm-hmm. That's the problem with a lot of workbooks, is they don't do any work, right? Mm-hmm. It's an oxymoron. <laughs> they can't change themselves mm-hmm. if it's Getting too complicated too fast, then the child isn't able to keep up. Well, then it's going to get frustrated, and they're going to hate that. Mm-hmm. It can happen in math. It can happen in grammar, language, anything. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you know, if you have a sharp student who could go faster, they'll get bored with the thing. Well, what's the next one? Right. So anything we sell is designed not to replace the teacher but to be controlled by the teacher Right. once the teacher understands the basic principle of our system. And that's going to be very important for all the special needs situation, dyslexic, dysgraphic, ADHD, auditory processing, whatever you have got going. Mm -hmm.
1: So in addition to adjusting the level of the source text and the speed of introducing the stylistic techniques, I'm thinking of your talk the four deadly errors and ways that parents and teachers can help their students without getting into trouble.
0: Yes, probably the hardest challenge and I think even for parents, maybe more than teachers, is this fear of helping too much. Mm -hmm. That, oh no, if I write this for him, he won't be doing it, therefore he won't be learning. Oh no, if I dictate this to her, she won't be thinking of it herself, therefore she won't be learning. Therefore, my helping too much is impeding the learning process. My experience is that it's actually the opposite. By not helping enough, you can impede the learning process. Mm -hmm. And when we are talking about writing and learning to write, it's a skill. It's something you do, right? It ends in ing, it's like playing an instrument or swimming or painting, it's writing. You can't learn it by being talked at, you can't learn it by reading a book Watching a video, you have to actually do it to learn. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Even if it's hard, you still have to do it in order to learn it. That reminds
1: me of the story that you tell about the teacher who accused you of helping too much.
0: Well, you know, it was kind of a funny situation. I was teaching a demonstration class in a charter school. It was mm-hmm. a grade two class, so mm-hmm. you know we're at a very basic level. And I had, you know, I don't know, 20-some kids in the room, and then a dozen teachers lined up in the back. And I had got the whole class ready to go. We were doing probably the hare and the tortoise, and I had the keyword outline and a couple style techniques, got L-Y word list, synonyms for said, put on the board the whole thing, you know, no erasing allowed, you know, be sure you skip lines, here's how you make changes, and, and here's the code system for communicating. I had everything ready to go. Okay, everyone, start. Okay, so most people knew what to do, which is you look at the keyword outline and you say a sentence to yourself with those keywords, and then you write down the sentence you said to yourself. And so most of the students are in there, but there's one little boy in the front, and he's just not doing anything. He's sitting there, you know, holding the pencil, staring at the paper.
1: And we don't know this, but he might have been dysgraphic. He
0: might well have been. I didn't know anything about him, except that he wasn't doing anything. So I came over, I said, how's it going? He said, I don't know what to write. Okay, so this was his default mode. Mm-hmm. Anytime he'd pick up a pencil, he'd probably say, I don't know what to write. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, well, you have some key words here. Teasing tortoise slow. Do you think you could make a sentence out of teasing tortoise slow? Maybe hair, teasing tortoise and slow? No. Okay, could you write this? A hare was teasing a slow tortoise. Could you write that? Maybe. Okay, give it a shot. So he starts writing, I go help a few more people. I come back. He's written the first sentence, and he's holding the pencil, staring at the paper. (laughs) I say, how's it going? He says, I don't know what to write. I said, well, the next line of keywords is annoyed, challenged, race. Think you could make a sentence out of that? No. Okay. Could you write, the tortoise was annoyed and challenged him to a race? Could you write that? Maybe. Okay. Give it a shot. So he starts writing that. I go help a few more people. What's interesting is by the time I got back to him, he had finished that sentence, and he had already launched into the third sentence. Nice. It only took a modeling of two times mm-hmm. for him to get the hang of it and mm-hmm. understand that's what you do with keywords. So that was interesting. So then the kids leave, and we do a little debrief, you know, and one of the teachers, you know, I have a question, okay. Well, you know that little boy in the front? Yeah, I know. You, you told him what to write. As if this were some great crime, mm-hmm. and I said to her, "Yes, if I hadn't told him exactly what to write, he wouldn't have written anything. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't write something, how's he going to learn to do it? Right. You know, it's kind of common sense, but we do have this bugaboo that hangs over. Oh no, if I tell them what to write, you know, then he or she is not going to be learning because the only way you learn." Is you have to do it all by yourself right one thing to point out that is kind of humorous is we have this expression sink or swim Mm -hmm. right however if we were to actually teach swimming by this methodology
1: i taught swimming lessons
0: (laughs) we would throw the children in the pool say sink or swim goodbye And uh, most of them would die and we would go to jail. Never did that. (laughs) No. What do we do? We over-teach. We get in there with them. Okay, you can float. Okay, you can kick your legs. Okay, you can breathe. Okay, here's how you move your arms. Okay, Mm -hmm. put it all together. Okay, I'm one foot away from you. Mm -hmm. Swim to me. There's no way I'm going to let you fail Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And so through lots of small pieces and very hands-on modeling, we over-teach, in a way, swimming. We say, you must prove you are independent before we'll let you alone in the pool. What? Because it's a life and death situation. So I always say to parents in particular and teachers in general, you know, don't be afraid of helping the dyslexic or dysgraphic student too much. You can't really help too much because kids always tell you when they don't need help. Mm -hmm. If I had gone back to that little boy and said, do you need me to tell you the next sentence? He would have said, no. Right. Obviously, I'm doing it. Right. Leave me alone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so that's what they're wired for.
1: And what I love about what you just said is this is a principle. And again, it goes back to this is a principle that we use for all of our instruction for all of the children, regardless of their ages or aptitude. You just continue to help them until they no longer need your help and sometimes that may mean for a dysgraphic student you're actually doing the writing for them sure
0: you can be the dragon dictate machine <laughs> right. uh, you can be the little robot that'll write down whatever i say you don't want to to stay there forever right obviously you want to have a process so you know one thing is the student can then maybe copy over what you wrote down mm-hmm. and practice just copy work right. they don't have to think about what they're writing just Practice writing letters and words. Another thing that works is to trade the pen. Hmm. So you're the student, you struggle, you get exhausted very easily. I'm the parent trying to help. Well, you tell me the first sentence, I'll write it down. Okay, now I'll give you the pen and I'll dictate the next sentence, and you write down what the sentence I dictate, from the keyword outline, of course. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then you give me the pen, and we'll just trade back and forth. That way, the student gets to do both the thinking of the sentence and saying it and the writing down of a sentence they heard. They don't have to do all of that independently right off the bat. And then after a while, the student eventually going to say, okay, I got it. Just leave me alone. I can do this myself.
1: Right, and we'll just be sure and put in the show notes... The Convert to Pens article, because you said trade the pen, not trade the pencil. Right. And the importance of a child, even a dysgraphic child, to learn to write with a pen.
0: Oh, there's so many benefits to pen. Mm -hmm. I I can't even begin to say. And recently, because I was doing a talk on this, I found the research Mm -hmm. that supports the idea that pens are better than pencils, even in a grade one classroom. Mm -hmm. So I found someone wrote a master's thesis in 1960 something nice. about that but my experience is that pens are helpful to children who struggle visually because they make a darker line with less pressure right mm-hmm. so you'll you'll often see kids with dyslexic or dysgraphic tendencies will get tired hand disease right why because they're writing with a pencil pencils aren't dark so they'll push harder because it's easier for them to see a darker line. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so they'll push harder, which not only causes tired hand disease, it causes them to break the tip of the pencil. they got to go sharpen the thing constantly. But a, a nice dark blue or black pen, especially kind of a roller tip type of pen, will give a nice dark line without added pressure. Nice. So that's one huge advantage. And then the other thing is it's a little bit of a paradox in that visually easily confused children, the dyslexic, dysgraphic, they want to see things that are clear and easy to see. And so you would think that letting them erase and then write in would actually be Hmm. better. But you know as well as I do, erasing and smudging and visual confusion as a result of that can be more of a problem than simply crossing out the word and continuing on or crossing out the word and putting the correct one above it.
1: Which double spacing is also so important for dysgraphics and that's something we teach to everyone.
0: Exactly. It benefits everyone and it it kind of used to be that that was a norm, I think. Mm -hmm. But uh, now with technology and pencils, people don't pay quite as much attention. Mm-hmm. all that but mm-hmm. uh, no, it's funny I met this past summer at conventions I met several people who were educated in Europe hmm. that commented to me after my talk we always used pen interesting in fact I met a couple people one from Sweden one from uh, Wales hmm. who said we always used fountain pen
1: oh fountain pen
0: in school so wow and I thought about that for a while and I thought well I guess if kids could survive that for centuries.
1: <laughs> well, unless you're left-handed and then you're going to smudge right across your paper with the fountain pen works.
0: Yes, you? and and the solution is you turn your paper sideways. Okay. <laughs> so, left-handed people can actually write by turning their paper sideways and not smudge. Interesting. <laughs> and I've actually seen people who will turn books sideways too and read. Interesting. If they're used to that, but Anyway, uh, it's interesting. People do manage to compensate for things, whether they are developing different ways to hold pens and paper Mm -hmm. or whether they are remembering Mm -hmm. better or whether they are utilizing technology to compensate. That's one of the benefits that we have today. And I think what we do with our teaching, writing, instruction style system along with the materials that we provide to help teachers and mm-hmm. parents and then of course to reiterate what we said last time about reading out loud to children you know I've been promoting that for mm-hmm. a long time is the most important thing you can do to build the language database and then uh, the poetry memorization right those are all going to be wonderful ways to help get language into the brain and build that rich repertoire of vocabulary and syntax and ideas the dyslexic dysgraphic student is not going to naturally get we actually have a program called linguistic development through poetry memorization
1: right so no excuses if your children can't read if they can't write we still have language for them to learn (laughs) and a way for you to help them grow into literate and well-spoken individuals that's what we do it's a great work we're doing i love to do it with you